Welcome back. You're watching Stock Watch with me, Bright Kumalo. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss and Rikas Riedes uh, from PSG Wealth Remsach. Uh, don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at beautytv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. Um, it's been a rocky couple of days. Uh, you know, if you are, you know, are watching ticker to ticker, Gary, um, what's news today on the local front? Oh, news today on the local front. So I think I think we we're really still dealing with the just just the aftermath of that CPI number. So I mean, we've had yeah. uh, you know all sorts of speeches and that over the last little bit, um, but it, it's just overshadowed by the the idea that uh, that inflation isn't under control. And everyone everyone I think at the moment is is just trying to count down uh, you know the next six days uh, to see what the Fed does. And uh, at the moment, uh, you know, it used to be maybe they'll come down to to fifty basis points, and then it's pretty certain it's going to be seventy five. I was just having a look. At the, the Fed Watch tool, yep. uh, and it's now there's a 22% chance uh, priced in for a 1% uh, increase in the US, and I think you know that's that's just spooking markets at the moment. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, just in other news, we've got. Uh, uh, you know, obviously the talks between Russia and China, and, and they seem to be quite friendly. But uh, at the same time, you know, it looks like the, the war in, in Ukraine is going to go on for the foreseeable future. So a little bit of a tick up in oil prices on the back of that. And, uh, you know, all the, all the analyst notes I read this morning, uh, very constructive on a, on a higher oil price. Yeah, that Fed watch tool is broken because it said next year, towards the tail end of next year, there's going to be reduction of interest rates. And, you know, it keeps changing every day. So... Exactly. That's my issue with those things. Um, Rikus, your, your, your view now currently on uh, where we're sitting in terms of global markets. I mean, we had that uh, one down day, I think it was on Tuesday, where it, you know, it was the worst day in markets after those CPI numbers uh, that Gary was referring to. Um, you know, U.S. markets were down about 5% there. And uh, yesterday, a nice bounce back. Uh, today, I see we're a bit flat. You know, it's a bias in the green. Yeah, um, I think what um, stopped the market from going down further was certainly banking shares on the back of first Rand's results. And then um, you know, Rand hedges with the Rand sitting at 17.56 to the dollar. That's, sure. That was also the biggest mover in the, um, in the top 40. But as you and Gary have said, you know, it's, it's CPI and the states. And um, you know, the thing with the Fed market tool is that, you know, there's never a 50-50 chance where they're going to hike <laughs> by 75 or 100, you know, or one basis points. What it does do is give you an, indica an indication of what sentiment is. So yeah. as that, you know, 20% chance of a 1% move up to 30 or, f or 40% or, or 35%, the problem it gives the Fed is that if they then only hike by <laughs> 75 basis points, that might seem to dovish, and that wow. means that markets go up, and that's the last thing the um, the Fed wants. So they're almost forced by that opinion poll to be in line with the market. If, if that's not too complicated, yeah, that's one hell of a job to have. It's it's complicated, you know, for your job to be driven by a consensus opinion, which is <laughs> I don't want that on my back. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's jump into our questions here. We'll start uh, with Twitter. We've got Miss Lulama here who says, what's happening at Mastec? Um, 
Why is the share price dipping? I mean, uh, I know you look at this one, um, Rikas. I do. Well, um, results came out. Um, Ten or so drop in um, operating earnings. Yo. Their main, I won't call it a problem, <laughs> but the thing that got them in the last six months after two, um, you know, the previous two or three six-month terms of excellent growth is that they've overstocked. They're not the only people that um, that have done that. For example, they mentioned that their entry-level notebooks, you know, they've got too many of them. So um, their working capital has, has got a bit haywire. Now, they together with a lot of other companies have that, you know, just in case we have another problem as far as supplies are concerned, we better stock up. And that creates um, a whiplash effect as far as logistics and also, um, you know, what you've got in your in your backup, so, so to speak. So you're overstocked, you, you spend a lot of money, now you must get rid of it. So they're quite sanguine about the future. They still think there's enough growth in the market to, to take care of that in the short term, and I tend to agree with that. Um, I think the other pretty positive is that um, the stock they've got at the moment was probably bought at a rand that was, you know, around 50 or, or whatever lower than against the dollar as compared to what it is at, at the moment. So, so, so they'll make a pretty margin on that once, once they get rid of it. But longer term, I still think it's um, really ridiculously undervalued considering their, um, their track record, first of all. And, you know, selling hardware might not be the next best thing, but it's not bad if you can do it the way they've been doing it. Yeah. Um, anything to add there, Gary, on Mustek? No, not, not really. I, I don't cover Mustek, so I, I'll, I'll leave it to Rickus to, to comment on that. Oh, okay. Do you cover Steph stocks? We have a Steph stocks either. These are crazy questions. I, I think Rick has, Rick has been watching it. I mean, Steph stocks, I mean, looking, looking at Steph stocks, I mean, it's down massively over the last five years, but it has had a little mm. bit of a rally in the last, uh, you know, the last last uh, couple of months. So I think Rick is going to take us through Steph stocks as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the, the actual question from, you know, Power Couple 1802 says, could the panelists provide insights into the business? Well, they're sitting with a massive amount of debt. They still have a court case hanging as far as collusion and and whatever is concerned. The one thing that they are doing is reducing debt. Uh, about two or three days ago, they announced the um, sale of um, some of the African assets. So that helps in reducing that debt. But otherwise, like any single construction company in South Africa, they are... Um, you know, they they are tied to what's going to happen with construction and and um, capital spend in South Africa. And if you take a look at what PPC is saying about local cement sales, um, that's still a mirage on the horizon. It's not here yet. Yo, okay, I remember this this stock when it was you know a, a lot higher than that. You could add a couple zeros <laughs> there. So, yeah, um, we we we. Do you, do you follow MC Mining and Salungano, Gary? Uh, which one do you actually follow? What do you follow? So we could ask more questions. <laughs> These are not companies that. that I follow. They, they unfortunately, they're outside our universe. The, the size of the stock. Okay, here's something for you. Here's something that I know you, you, you have a clue. Um, Mr. Financial Fitness says, which of the following would be the, uh, the best long-term bet between Richmond, LVMH, Hermes, and Caring? So this is, um, you know... 
French luxury companies, you know, with producing goods in Switzerland, France, Italy, and across the world, and obviously selling it to the West and Southeast Asia as, as some of uh, their top, um, you know, customers. So your thoughts, Gary? It'll fix itself, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, um, no, looking at it, I've seen I've gone a little bit blurry. So, so my, my thoughts are, are you should probably stick with the local counter. Um, you know, you've, got, you've got an Why? incredible luxury good re because you've got an incredibly like incredible luxury goods retailer on our local market, and there's uh, yeah to, to then you know I mean use your exchange control allowance to go overseas. So so sure something like LVMH is a lot bigger. If you're looking for European exposure, it's not really European exposure. It's just really I suppose where it's domiciled. I mean LVMH works across the entire globe. It is you know significantly larger than, than something like Richmond. But if you look at it on a on a forward earnings terms, uh, Richmond is a lot cheaper than LVMH. So so you're looking at uh, let's say uh, you know one one year EPS. You're looking at about uh, you know, call it call it low eighteen on on Richmond, uh, whereas LVMH is sitting on al almost twenty two on on a, on a forward one year EPS uh, forecast. Um, you know, looking at it, I mean, if you look at just the valuations of the companies, Richmond comes out a lot lower. So, uh, in luxury goods, like you know, the, the whole sector is pretty decent, uh, just because obviously you've got. Um, uh, you know, more resilient kind of upper end uh, consumers. So when you, when you go into a world that is, you know, a lot more challenging, um, you typically find that uh, lower income, income consumers are, are more affected. So uh, I do think there is a, a sense of stability here. And uh, if you look at it, LVMH down around 9% for, for the year, uh, Richmond down around 22. So giving you, I think, a, a slightly better entry point at the moment. Yes, I mean, you, you've said very bullish case for, you know, luxury uh, goods manufacturers in general but uh, you know the story that i'm hearing on the streets is that um a lot of people during covid lockdowns couldn't spend their money on experiences so what they did was uh, spend most of their money on uh, actual um you know i don't know luxury items uh, you know so th there was sort of a substitution effect happening here from uh, one good to the next and obviously we saw uh, 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 sh their share prices are performing exceptionally well and the base uh, you know for growth uh, has become much higher um, and now you know the world is opening up things are se seeming to be you know coming along quite nicely and people are traveling again so the substitute is happening in reverse uh, people are going back to being you know global citizens they're traveling a lot they're going to those uh, destinations that they've always wished to go to and uh, even though they might still be spending on jewelry and watches and um, I don't know what they sell these days, uh, crocodile skin handbags, if that's your thing, um, uh, Gary or, or, or you, Rickers, it's just not going to be enough in terms of growth. It's not going to be the type of growth you saw uh, in the past two years. And as a result, maybe the PEs of north to 20 for all of these businesses is a little bit too steep. Because it's, a, it's, it's I mean, it's a good, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. But I think also just remember that with the, with the opening up of travel, Richmond is, is particularly reliant on those sales through airports, uh, you know, specifically to Asian consumers as well. So I don't know, you look at uh, something like the Middle East and, uh, you know, the kind of windfall profits, uh, maybe, you know, a little bit more, more spending happening in, in, in the super upper end uh, segment, you, you know, the, the ultimate luxury goods, which are, are not just small substitutes, you're not just swapping, uh, oh, maybe, maybe I'll travel this year, or maybe I'll buy a Louis Vuitton handbag or uh, you know, a Montblanc pen. Um, these these are kind of the ultra wealthy. That uh, you know, it's 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 maybe a different class of player. You, you, you're spending multiple times what what someone else would spend on a holiday on on a single you know, on a single item.
Yeah, and, and Rikas, anything to add there with luxury goods? No, 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 Gary, at my point, exactly. You know, a Cartier watch not bought by a couple going from Florida on a, on a boat cruise. We are talking about super rich, wealthy people. Obviously, there is a problem in China because the super rich, wealthy people are getting a little bit less so. That doesn't mean that um, travel won't happen. I'm quite sure that will have an effect on um, Richmond. So I don't say the whole sector is um, you know, right, for, right for the picking. You're right, variations are high. But if we are talking about the sector, then Richmond, with its really exclusive range of um, products, is probably a better hiding place than... Than okay. a more, you know, super high to to a lower high company like um, Louis Vuitton, for example. So, so yeah, if if I had to choose, um, I'll stay with Richmond rather than desperately go out and buy it, for example. Okay, um, so the the YNAP uh, and the you know failed activist bid on Richmond, those don't give you a headache, Rickus. Say again. Uh, the YNAP, uh, you know. Issues. That's. Um, I won't call it history, but but it's done. It's okay. it's it's unknown. What we don't know is what's going to happen with demand, and the witness, you know, is from the back as far as that's concerned. As far you know, or at least, you know, you're not heading into into difficulties. You're probably cruising out of it. We've got more questions. I'll start with uh, this one from Sundir uh, on email. It says, evening, uh, why did Standard Bank fall more than other banks today? And is it a buy at these levels, you know, for a three to five year outlook, uh, Rikas? Well, they didn't fall today. They fell yesterday because they went ex-dividend. So, um, so that explains Standard Bank. Um, is it a buy? I think together with most of um, the banking sector, offering good value at the moment. You can go and pick and choose whether you prefer first round to net bank. They've all got their different drivers, if I can call it that. Um, um, so, yeah, as I said, price decline, I think, is purely dividend um, as to prospect for both Standard Bank and, and the others, except maybe for Capitec. Um, yeah, not a bad place to be. So you you bullish on SA Inc. Financial Services. Interesting. Um, Gary? Um any thoughts on Standard Bank or maybe the banking sector uh, in general and, and your picks maybe in that area locally? Yeah, I think, yeah, I was looking at Standard Bank the other day. And, I mean, it's, it's something that we don't hold in portfolios. You know, Standard Bank is the biggest bank by assets, but, but First Rand is the biggest bank by, by market cap. And uh, we hold First Rand in portfolios. But there's absolutely, as Rika says, there's, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with, with holding Standard Bank instead. It's, uh, it's also a significant weight in, in the index. So if you, if you are an index tracking investor, um, you know, it's probably, you've probably already got decent exposure to it. So, you know, there's always been the issue that Standard Bank has some legacy systems. It's a, it's a very complex, it's a very large bank, and, and that has kind of hindered it in the past. Um, but, you know, all, all of our banks are just on, on such low multiples at the moment. I mean, you know, last, based on last 12 month numbers, Standard Bank trading at a 7.5 PE uh, on a 7% uh, historic dividend yield. So, it's, uh, I mean, it's a good divvy player. You, you know, I think all the banks are going to get, uh, they are, they are 
obviously constrained by our GDP growth. And, and if you're hoping, if you're buying a bank, uh, or at least a South African bank, with the hope that uh, we're suddenly going to be able to grow at you know, 4 or 5 or 6%, I think that's very, very unreasonable. We, we have you know, structural constraints around power that, that just isn't going to allow that. But uh, you know, if, if you take that into account, I think that's already factored into the price of our banks. And, and they're, they're very well capitalized. They're, they're great institutions at very, very cheap prices. And uh, obviously, you know, the rising interest rate environment does help them through the endowment effect. You just you don't want it to rise too much too quickly um, that it really kills growth and sends us into a recession, which will obviously be bad for the banks. But you know, Rickus was talking about a hiding spot in the market earlier. And I think uh, the, the South African banking sector, certainly in the local market, is one of those hiding spots. And I think, it, you know, the big four, it would probably be Nedbank, Standard Bank and, and First Rand that I'd be looking at. ABSA, maybe I'm a little bit more circumspect. I'm, you know, Capitec has had an incredible run uh, over the last uh, couple of years. And that's... Um, I think uh, maybe a little bit uh, aggressively priced uh, for me at the moment, especially given their the client base and uh, you know looking at uh, you know the trading statement that came out as well for for Capitec. Um, yeah, I think there is a worry in the market that there are going to be you know increased credit impairments, and uh, I think maybe the, the health of their consumer is not quite uh, what the market was hoping because it really is priced for perfection. Um, and then Investec, and again, it come, kind of comes down to the debate between uh, you, you know. You're backing backing the the more wealthy clients or, or backing the mass market, and uh, yeah, I think Investec is interesting, but I'd probably rather go with the ex asset manager, something like ninety one. Um, so that's kind of my rundown of the financial the financial services sector. Yeah, yeah it's a nice nice rundown. I like that. Uh, thank you very much, Gary. Uh, we have a question on the SMS line, which says, "Is Santova a share for the, you know for future growth?" Uh, are you still looking at Santova there, uh, Rikas? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not sure what is going to happen for the next six months, 12 months in their business, which is really um, managing freight and not, 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 not the physical moving of stuff, but being the broker between, you know, your, um, your shippers and your, and your suppliers. Um, that whole market, in other words, your, your whole, if you just take a look at what's happening with freight rates, um, that's come down a lot over the past six months. Um, so even though they take a percentage of, of the value of, of whatever is being shipped, I can't see them having the kind of year they had over the past two years, for example, apart from the fact that your traffic in Europe um, has already, because of the drought, and will probably even more decline in the next six months as winter sets in, as factories are forced to um, slow down or close at least. Yeah. There's a lot of headwind as far as, specifically in Europe, um, the moving of goods are concerned, both because of power and, as I said, literally because of a drought, because the rivers are too shallow for a, for a barge to move on. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of repenting happening um, in Europe, to say the least, this winter. Um, Gary, I want to hear your thoughts on the valuation of Centova. It's been one of the best performers in the JSE uh, for the past two years. And I mean, one has to question whether these guys can continue growing at this rate, uh, given the current valuation of the business. 
Well, the valuation isn't, isn't too stretched, I, I've got to be honest. So, so you're looking at it, you know, if you're looking at a historic PE and you're trading on a, a five, and I think, you know, it, it's, a, it's a one billion rand company. This is, this is a small cap. Again, yeah. it, it's kind of going to have liquidity problems for, for big players going in and out of it. But, uh, but for, for private clients or, or, or individuals, uh, I mean, it does potentially make an attractive player. And, you know, I think, I think what we've seen is that there's, you know, in a, in a falling market like this, there's real opportunity in the small and mid cap sector because it, it often, because it isn't being being, you know, just sold off, you know, you know, the baby's not being tossed out of the bathwater, if you want to put it that way. It's, you know, the big index players are, you know, that are selling down out of the South African market, you know, sometimes don't affect uh, the smaller, the, the lower market cap counters. So I think there is, there is opportunity in the sector. And, and what we have seen is obviously the, the raft of delistings on the JSC as well. So the idea that, uh, that you, you go into the kind of a smaller mid cap sector um, with a view that you, you could potentially get a, um, you know, someone coming and buying out the business is, uh, you know, and, and delisting it and, and paying you some sort of premium, which we, we've seen all over the place, yeah. even in the bigger accounts or something like MassMart. So, you know, it could be attractive. You know, to, to, to Rickus's point, it, it has run very, very hard this year. Um, you know, year to date, up, up around 46%. It's, uh, it's been Incredible. You know, a very, very strong performer, but, but not, not particularly expensive at this stage. Okay. You still think maybe this uh, horse got some legs here. Uh, we have a question uh, from Tumelo Rampele, who's asking us about Labat and saying that they got the green light and obviously they've been promising us as being the potential investors and investors um you know a great story but what does this mean now because i hope i'm guessing dumelo <laughs> holds lapat and she has not seen or he has not seen the type of returns that has been you know expected at least you know so to say uh Rikus? Cannabis? Well, Are you bullish on cannabis in South Africa? Oh, how high can it go? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason they call it weed. You know, it's <clears throat> it's not very difficult to produce your base product. So your your margin or your or your selling point lies in the refining, um, how much you can do of it. So it's a volume business, and then the quality of your product. Um, Nothing, um, nothing is new as far as that's concerned. What is new that your marketplace has been opened with, um, you know, deregulation, whether it be in America or over here. So all of a sudden, there's a lot of players in this market. Um, what gives you the edge? Um, it's going to be volume. It's and 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 quality. And how many other companies um, worldwide is doing exactly the same thing? that Labatt is doing. Of course, I can be completely wrong because I know absolutely nothing about the processes and things like that, but that's just my thoughts when something like this comes to market. Yeah, as a, as a, as a former factory worker or manufacturer, so to say, I can tell you that um, the tobacco guys could do this job faster, easier and quicker than, you know, Labatt would ever dream of. Uh, if there was, you know, potential to make money, they would make it faster than them. And as a result, I don't know, I want to shut this thing down very quickly. But that's just me and, 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 and my lack of optimism in the whole sector as a whole. So uh, I, I, unfortunately or fortunately for us, uh, I have to take our stock picks for the evening. I'll start with you, Gary. I'm going to stay. Well, we've we've only talked about tiny little companies, so I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay in the, the small cap space. Uh, I'm going to go with Lipstar, um, which is one that I think uh, you know is is 
potentially a very attractive buy. So it's uh, close to close the day today at five rand ninety. Um, we've got a target price of around seven rand fifty on it, which is a, a decent upside. You never know; you might get a, a total buyout in the years to come. Um, it's, I mean, it's a you know when I say it's a fairly new listing, it listed in in, in May two thousand and eighteen, um, and since then the market hasn't hasn't liked it. But they, they had a, obviously a, a management change this week. Uh, they announced obviously Andreas von Rendsburg was stepping down, um, and it's going to be uh, Shoulder Villiers taking over. So he's a very young CEO. Uh, potentially a little bit ex- inexperienced, but he is—he uh, uh, was the, the former CFO, and he's going to be backed by uh, Cornell Ludovic, who's very experienced, comes out of their Lancewood business. And I think uh, you know the strategy that they—they they kind of have highlighted going forward is that they're going to you know, double down on their good businesses and, and, and shut down their bad businesses, and that's kind of what you want in, in this environment. They've managed to maintain their margins, even though they are in, obviously in a difficult space where uh, you know yeah. labor, energy, packaging, raw materials are all getting a lot more expensive. Uh, but you know, but like Gary, I said, I think. It's, it's it's incredibly cheap at this yeah, stage, so it's worth, it, worth buying. It's, down, it's still down 50% from listing, and I've heard that story. I've been to about two of their presentations, also talking a big story. Share price says otherwise. I guess it's it hasn't been very easy for FMCGs in SA, but uh, we need to move on to Rikas's pick now. Uh, Rikas? It's something I've had before. Um, the price has gone quite parabolic. Um, not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's it's got more to run. It's the... Grishmal's Energy Fund, who who involve in a, and the fund is invested in a number of UK alternative energy providers in the form of battery storage. That battery storage is used when um, when you've got a failure as far as, for example, gas generation is concerned. If you know um, if you've got stormy weather, yeah, um, the way the European energy market is, and power generation is heading for the next six months. I think that kind of product is going to be in very high demand. They'll be able to set the price um, because they are literally, you know, your last resort when you've got a shortage like that. Um, okay. So I think they'll be pumping money at least for the next six months, specifically as we head into the European winter specifically as um, Germany basically shuts down um, it's going you know the marginal cost of whatever energy you need yeah they won't run out of it but those prices are going to be very very high so uh, Rickus is going with Gresham House grid that's the share code listed in the London Stock Exchange because winter is coming and I, I hope there are no more plot twists from Europe, uh, the same that we've seen uh, on House of Dragons here. Um, and Gary is going with a small cap, Lipster. Um, I have to go back and dust off my, my valuations there. Interesting company. Uh, thank you very much, gents. Uh, thanks to my guests, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss and Rekas Reders from PSG Wealth Remsach. Do join Zenati for the Friday edition of Stockwatch. Send those questions during the day via SMS to 4392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. The show is live at 1930. Have a good evening and have a good weekend.